Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow. Welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's all about getting the proof, as we take a look at how to do proof of concepts and how to do them right. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Tech Interviews. Uh, so on this show, um, I'm never one to be afraid of stealing an idea off another podcast. Um, so not only this week have I stolen the idea, I've actually stolen the guest as well. So um, so no marks for originality for me this week. Um, but I had this show uh, with my guest a couple of weeks ago. He, was, uh, he appeared on the Fantastic Virtually Speaking podcast. Um, do check that out if you uh, you get the opportunity to, and I'll, I'll put links actually to the episode in the show, note, uh, show notes. But what they were talking about was the idea of properly defining and running proof of concepts uh, and this is a, a, a thing that's really close to my heart I think I often see when I'm talking with enterprises and businesses about how they deliver full test and, and full planning around a, a new project or a new application that sometimes the idea of a POC is misinterpreted or, or misunderstood so so I thought this week would be a, a great opportunity to kind of delve into how you deliver and successfully design and deliver a POC so to um, tell me to do that I've uh, as I said I've stolen a guest from the virtually speaking podcast Podcast, uh, Dave Marrera. Hi, Dave. How are you? Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, real pleasure. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining the show this week. Um, so, well, before we jump into the topic, um, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do. Sure. Uh, again, obviously, my name is Dave Morera. I work for a small virtualization company called VMware. You may have <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> and uh, my main job, uh, I'm a senior solutions architect, and my main job is to um, help customers conduct POCs, uh, specifically on the HCI uh, side for vSAN. So uh, not only on the technology side, but also on how to properly think of the process from beginning to end, what is it that they want to accomplish and what does success look like to them, right? Um, so my main job is to do that. Uh, along with that, we try to deliver some enablement through it so they can learn a little bit more of the technology as they go along through the POC. So you, uh, uh, there's a couple of things you said, actually, even in that introduction um, that we, uh, I'd like to delve into as well. And, and that was one of those things was um, what does success look like? But we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, so I suppose the first question I had for you, I mean, I, I was probably a little bit scathing in my introduction there about sometimes how POCs are misinterpreted or misunderstood. Um, and sometimes when people say they're delivering a POC, they may not necessarily be doing that. They're doing more of a functionality test or, or something along those lines. I mean, is that is that something that you see you know that people um don't really quite understand what a poc is and if it's something you see how do you explain what what a poc is what kind of things should people be looking for what what are they trying to achieve uh, yeah we see that all the time right so there's three different things that people get mixed up uh, as far as concepts so the first one is a demo right people think uh, that we have a demos pocs and pilots Right, uh, a lot of people get confused between, especially between the demo and a POC. Uh, so a demo is pretty much when you you get to sit through a presentation, maybe one couple hours, and they show you all the features, the bells and the whistles, and what it does and how great it is. Right, that's pretty much a demo. Uh, or sometimes you get a trial version of software, and you kind of go through the same things right on your own. You go through the features, you kick the tires a little bit. Uh, but that's not real, uh, a POC. A POC is more of a project. It's a small project in its own where, you know, there's separate things going on, not just uh, the testing part or the features, but also uh, you need to think more about your whole, your whole um, process of what you want to finish up with, right? Uh, so a POC will encompass more of 
um, you know, doing some exploration, you know, what is the problem that you're trying to solve, number one, right? Uh, then as part of any project, you need to get sponsors. Is this coming from the top? Is this coming from, from an admin or a director? Is it VP or CIO, right? You don't want to be spending time on a POC if it's not going to go get past uh, that level of endorsement. So you want to make sure you have that back in uh, when you're doing a POC. Um, during a POC process, you want to also define the scope. So, you know, what are the things that we're going to look at? Um, and also, more importantly, which is, I think it's one of the most important parts of the POC is the success criteria, right? What is it that they're trying to accomplish? Something measurable. Um, a lot of times um, I talk to customers and I ask them, you know, what does success look like to you? Um, and then come back saying, hey, I need, you know, maybe something that performs just as good as production or maybe a little better. Um, to me, that doesn't mean much, right? Um, I don't know if they're talking about IOPS or latency or maybe time for an application to complete a process. So we need something measurable that we can uh, uh, reproduce every time um, and obviously get a test criteria as well. We need to set up a, a set of tests that we want to go through as part of the POC. Um, so in you know in short, that's that's what a POC is, but also uh, what I was talking about, the, the demo, uh, the POC, and the pilot. So the pilot will be the last one, and that's pretty much a pre-production process. So think about it, the POC, uh, what we briefly talked about, and you know, make it a little bigger, right? So we want to uh, you know get the same thing set up. Uh, but do additional testing with real data in that case, uh, kind of like a semi-production before we move the pilot into production. The POC doesn't really necessarily go to to a production environment. So that's um, I, and I think that's a really good separation, you know, and, and, and you know, and I wholeheartedly agree. I think that idea of particularly those things that you mentioned as part of a, a POC, I think are the things that I often look for, and and, and I think actually that the thing you were saying before there, I, I often see a demo being missold as a POC. But that said, um, and I think what was quite interesting actually, just listening to the, the kind of the way you separated out those three areas, is that idea that actually a demo indeed has a place through that kind of chain of decision making um you know and it, 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 i mean is that how you feel that actually there's still that place for having a demo showing some kind of features and potential benefits before you start to move down the poc route you know is is a demo maybe something that you might use to first start to define the problem and potential success criteria yeah absolutely um and like i was saying i mean there's always going to be a sponsorship or uh you know leadership involved in this process right so usually a demo uh this would be for that type of audience so a cio may want to see a demo but they don't want to be part of a poc because they don't have that time right they don't have two weeks or three weeks to spend on a poc but they want to understand what the features are is that going to solve their problem is that going to take him to the next level where they want to get as far as the technology and things like that. So a demo, obviously, yeah, it's going to show you, is that going to meet your criteria? Is that going to solve your problems? And it's a quick way to kind of feel comfortable before you spend, uh, you, you invest the time and resources in a, in a full POC. Uh, like I said, you know, it's, uh, it's that definite, we need to make sure that separation is there between the demo and the POC and understand that a POC is more of a project and demo is just a quick way of uh, a quick presentation and understanding what, what you're getting into. But it's definitely something that, yeah, we should, uh, people should look into that before a POC. 
So, so let's um, well, let's dive into this kind of idea of POC a little bit. Maybe, maybe pick out um, kind of some of the areas that that develop into a, a full POC. Um, so you talked there and, uh, right at the start about kind of problem definition. So I, I mean, if you know, if I'm listening to this and and I'm looking at, I've got some problems that I, I might be able want to solve. Have you got any tips for how you might start to define what a problem is? You know, if you're going to get a successful POC out of something to to kind of prove a, a way of fixing that, what what kind of things you look for when people define a problem? Yeah, I mean, this this varies a lot between customers. Um, I've seen what customers come to us and say, okay, my problem is that I'm trying to, we develop games, for example, for PlayStation 4, and we want this application or this game to compile in X amount of time, and it's taking three times that much. Can you help us? So usually, you know, you can help them with the technology you're selling and say, okay, we can implement it this way. Um, And sometimes, you know, let's say you're selling storage, right? Uh, even even though you're selling storage, you may notice, hey, you know what? Part of your problem is not just the storage side, but also your VMs may not be configured properly, right? So we, you know, when you're doing a POC, you may be able to learn about these other uh, issues that the environment has and be able to solve them uh, not only through a solution but through a you know a a, a a process where you and the customer can work together on solving that that issue um yeah so that's um that's an interesting point actually and, and certainly one of the things that um, I'll, I'll often talk about at the beginning of any project is almost that kind of information gathering piece that says understand the environments that you are working with first and i think that's quite interesting that you know you talk about there that actually even in defining the problem sometimes you might find a solution maybe even before you go down the route of a new product or you know you may you may fix some of the problems i mean is that is that something that you see happen that actually that that understanding the environment better and starting to define where your problems actually lie can sometimes lead to to solutions even before you get into looking at a new solution or a, a poc of something yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes it's just sitting down uh, with the customer, Wh- whether you're a reseller or a vendor or even just internal IT, there's always the customer side to it, right? Uh, so if you're just working within your own company, doing your own POC, you know, your customer is going to be either the end user or maybe the IT department itself, right? But just talking the problem through it uh, and just understanding what's behind it. Uh, let's say if you're a, a VM admin, a virtualization admin, maybe you don't understand how that application works. So you're sitting down with the application admin and trying to understand how things work on the back end, you know, maybe able to to get all this to, to work together. So that exploration um, section is very important at the beginning, right? Uh, you can't assume you know how everything works. Uh, a lot of times people say, hey, uh, I'm running SQL, so I know... Uh, it's going to have this many IOPS and this the block size is going to be X. Uh, well, that's not particularly true, right? Because even though SQL, SQL can have different types of, of workload profiles, right? Uh, so don't assume anything and do your exploration, do your homework, and try to find out what's going on on the back end. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that's equally true for dependencies as well. I think often people look to fix a particular problem but don't have an understanding of the impact on other parts of their infrastructure, other parts of their application stack. You know, so I fix one thing over here, but you know, it's that age-old IT problem, isn't it? I fix one bottleneck over here and a new bottleneck pops up somewhere else. And if you don't understand how some of these things fit together, then you could end up just always chasing that bottleneck, never get a successful, never never find a successful solution for anything, but you're always chasing kind of a, a, a 
brand new problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, one of the things you talked about um, in there as well was this idea of developing a a proper accurate scope for what it is you're trying to deliver. So, you know, so what what kind of things you know what, what do you mean by developing a scope? You know, what what kind of things should somebody be thinking about as they develop the scope for a proof of concept? Yeah, um, like I said before, a POC is more of a project. So, with any project, we need to have a defined scope so we don't go. Uh, beyond that and get scope creep right we a poc it's a short project you know maybe it will take one or two weeks or sometimes more sometimes less uh, but you don't want it to take a year right uh, this is some uh, just a quick way to understand a product kick the tires uh, but defining that scope who is going to be involved how much work you going to do uh, during those two weeks it's very important you don't want to go down the road of testing something you're not necessarily looking for. Um, you know, any features that, you know, don't apply to you at the moment or things like that. Uh, just define your scope, uh, that goal line, you know, specified and work towards that goal. Um, so just pretty much have an idea. It would make the project and the POC go uh, a lot smoother. Um, and you can actually, when you're doing trying to identify the scope, you can also identify who is going to be involved. A lot of times um, when I do a POC, I find out, hey, we have the storage admins, we have the virtualization admins, right? That's great. But uh, how about the network guys? You know, we kind of need them a little bit, right? (laughs) Um, So usually they get left out or, you know, they're different silos and it's hard to get people um, involved. But defining the scope would also reveal who is going to be involved uh, to make this go smooth. Yeah, and you also need to know who the person is who runs DNS because it will always be the fault of DNS, uh, which is always, it's always DNS. <laughs> always DNS. Um, and I think she talked about the idea of project scope creep as well as scope creep. You know, and it's, I mean, is that something that you see can often lead to a POC failing that actually pe- the, the scope not being properly defined means that you're, you're forever, I suppose this kind of problem we talked about earlier, this, this idea that you then end up looking at more, more and more things and actually never find the right answer because, you know, you're trying to solve too many problems with a with a solution that maybe has never been thought of or designed to do that, you know. So do, do you see that kind of creep of scope being a real problem to a successful POC? Sometimes, and, and that's the problem with that is uh, not just the scope creep, because it wasn't uh, it wasn't worked on properly. It was because the scope was just vague. So let's say, for example, we're doing a POC and someone says, okay, one, uh, we want to do performance testing, right? They're not being specific enough to say, okay, this is what we start, this is what we stop. Um, a lot of times I've seen what customers ask, okay, I want to see how fast this goes. I mean, you can tweak you know, software and hardware in so many ways. There's so many variables on the, in, on the modern uh, solutions now that you can spend weeks just tweaking for performance, right? There's always something, you're always going to be chasing some bottleneck somewhere and you can keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and go down that rabbit hole where you're never going to come out. So that's usually when the scopes are not defined properly uh, and we don't have a measurable way to do this that we get that scope creep, right? And that leads me to to the success criteria pretty much, right? Because they don't have that success criteria established that they don't know what that means. So they don't know where to stop, right? So again, yeah. talking, about, talking about performance, they say, if they don't tell me, okay, we want to see that, it, for example, the customer's environment's requiring 20,000 IOPS, uh, which is fine. Uh, 
but you know they get to twenty five thousand and they're and they're saying okay we, we want to keep going and going to see how fast it goes it doesn't matter how fast it goes and i use the analogy of the car right uh, if i'm commuting to work i don't need it to go 500 miles an hour i know traffic is going to be bad i'm not going to be moving fast enough right i'll probably be walking faster than my vehicle being traffic but uh uh, that's what I'm saying. That if you need X, don't go for you know X, Y, and C. Once you get to that point, your success criteria. Don't try to chase, um, you know, that white rabbit uh, and go that down the hole. So it's one of the um, it's one of the tips for for doing getting a, a successful POC build, building this criteria to be specific around that. Because I think a couple of times you kind of touched on this at the beginning as well that people might say to you, "Well, my success criteria is I just want it to be fast." But actually, that doesn't really solve a problem or fast is not really defined. You know, fast, one person's fast is somebody else's slow, I guess. Um, so, I mean, is that is that an important part of that, that, that that success criteria should be very specific as well? So, you know, what what exactly am I trying to solve and how do I measure what solving that looks like? Correct. Yeah. And, and also, when it comes to competitive situations and they try to do different POCs for different vendors, they get hung up again, if they don't have that success criteria set up in a measurable way, uh, they're going to keep thinking, oh, you know, this X vendor is giving me a thousand IOPS and Y vendor is giving me, you know, 1200 IOPS and Z vendor is giving me 1500 IOPS. Well, if you only need 500 IOPS, it doesn't really matter if you can go 3X, 2X, right? Unless you're going to need it at some point. But, you know, having that measurable at the beginning and saying, okay, this is my scope, this is my success, and this is what it looks like. Once you check that box, the box is already, you know, checked. You already accomplished that. You can move on to something else. So that's a really good point, actually. I've not really thought about that, the idea of defining these kind of um, POCs. Because when we started the conversation, actually, I, I was thinking of kind of the use of POCs as being, I've decided to use X technology, and I just need to check that it does a, B, and C. So I need to know it does those things. And, you know, and all the bits you've just talked about that we define what we're trying to do, we make sure we've got some specific criteria. And as long as it meets that, then that's great. And we can go ahead and purchase it. But I had not really thought about that idea of if you're going to do competitive POC. So you are looking at um, multiple vendors and you're going to try and pick a, a solution. Because I think one of the things I come across and one of the things I have great empathy for people who are charged with buying it solutions within a business is how do you how do you select the right solution you know most vendors will come along and tell you that their solution does exactly what you want it to do and it'll be fine and often that's true you know if you've got three vendors in front of you they probably all can do something of what you want them to be able to do and probably all in their own way will be able to deliver the solution you want but i've not really thought about a good well-defined poc actually being as a way that you can uh, kind of measure how those competitive vendors uh, perform against your criteria to, to help you pick a solution. I mean, is that, is that how you see POCs used quite a lot? Yeah, yeah, I've seen a, a lot of competitive uh, POCs. Um, and like you were saying, yeah, probably most of them can, can meet the requirements. And that's why, again, we'll go back to the success criteria under scope. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is the big picture, not just... Uh, again, and we talk about storage, not just replacing storage or upgrading the storage, but, you know, it's your idea for that storage to work well together with some other products. You know, what is your end goal, not just this year, but the next three, five years, right? Does that software, is that solution accomplish that? Is it going to be able to get me there? 
where it's just going to give me that storage X, right? So think about the entire picture. So now we're talking about, you know, how the storage is their foundation for cloud and things like that. So, you know, is that storage going to get you there? Is that going to be compatible with all the products that you own currently and work well together? So, you know, just think about the entire picture that is going to give you the competitive advantage for uh, when you're doing a competitive POC, right? So just, it's more than just the, the small requirements for, you know, IOPS, latency, et cetera. It's more of the, the bigger picture for, uh, and that's where the CIO is important to have involved at the beginning. He's probably going to be the one saying, yeah, we need storage, but we want to get to here where we can move more close to the cloud and back and things like that. So understanding the vision for your business, it is uh, very important, even when you're doing just a small POC. So that um, that leads on nicely, kind of, I suppose, to the, um, the the last question I've got, maybe around how you uh, develop a POC. So one of the things, obviously, that you're looking to do as you, as you do this, and part of your proof of concept is to build some tests, you know, to, to develop some tests that allow you to test the capabilities of things you're looking at. So so you've got any tips about how you build good, accurate tests? You kind of touched on before, you know, there's all kinds of things. If you're doing performance for storage, for example, well, there's all kinds of ways, isn't there, of building these kind of, uh, of tweaking a platform so that it gets real, hit, you know, hero numbers, as people like to say, you know, it gets real big numbers and that looks really impressive. But that's not necessarily an accurate test for the, the kind of thing you want. So so is there some good exa- good tips you can provide for, for good ways of testing when you're doing POCs? Um, and, and whether... You know, things like uh, tools that create workloads are useful, or do you need to use a, a kind of a real workload inside of a business to, to truly test something out? Um, yeah, when we're doing tests, I like to break it down into different areas as well. So, you know, one of the basic tests is the operational test. You know, make sure the, you know, we put an admin and say, here, drive it around. Um, you know, make sure you can. It's intuitive enough for you to manage, you know, what is the learning curve? Even little things like that matter, right? Uh, the smaller learning curve, you have a lower cost in education and training, ramp up, et cetera. Uh, so operational test is pretty basic, but it helps, you know, being knowing that the admin that is going to take care of it uh, is actually able to operate it well enough uh, that it's not going to cause the business an outage, right? Um, the second test it will be more of a failure testing. Uh, and this is where we we play the devil's advocate, and we say, okay, we want to try to we're going to try to break this and see how it behaves. So we're going to go on unplug power cables, network cables, uh, remove drives, or uh, depending on the solution, you know, just try to break it and and see what happens. You know, sometimes we even test the support response from it. You know, we call support and say, hey, what's going on? Can you help me? Right. So uh, obviously, failure testing is very important. Uh, it gives us, uh, when you're doing that POC, it will give you that understanding of the failure scenarios in your environment that you have seen, and maybe some that you haven't seen, but you already know how it's going to behave in the future, right? Uh, what to do, what not to do, uh, et cetera. Um, and finally, it's the performance test. Um, like I said before, this is usually where people go down the rabbit hole because they don't have a well-defined uh, scope or success criteria. Right, saying that okay, I need to get to X, and that's it. I'm good enough with X. Um, so the performance testing is very, very important, and that varies a lot per customer, per application, per solution. Right. Uh, so it is important, for example, if you're testing a certain workload, 
to understand what's what is the workload doing, what is the profile like, uh, and we're talking about um, maybe IOPS latency, uh, block size, you know, sequential IOs, uh, random IOs. What is going on with this application, right, or database, or whatever you want to use? Um, sometimes it's hard to get that information, especially the sequential versus random. Uh, information from a workload. So the best way to do that is to maybe clone those workloads and bring them into your POC. Now, remember at the beginning, we talked about a POC is a non-production project, right? So you wouldn't want to put your production environment there. That's going to be more of a you know pilot maybe. Uh, but a POC, you want to maybe clone them, bring them over and see how that application behaves, right? Is that, and then you actually compare that with uh, your production environment. So that is the ideal way to test, uh, you know, performance, you know, try to do it with your own workloads. If you can't, then at that point you can have, uh, you can use different tools. Uh, I've used that uh, live optics, uh, which is now, you know, free for anybody. And you can actually run it on your environment and it will tell you uh, the uh, workload profile that I just talked about. So you can use that information and use tools like VD Bench from Oracle, FIO to generate some IO on those workloads and, and test the behavior. Um, you know, a benchmark testing, it's, it's not as good as the real thing, but it's, it's close enough for you to understand what's going on. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, yeah, particularly the idea that if you're building, if you're generating workload tests against a clone of your real your real application, so it's, you know, it, it, you, you've taken an environment, you know, maybe it built up of half a dozen servers and some storage, put that into your POC environment and then generated load against that to see how it performs. So that that makes perfect sense. Is that, is that kind of what you're getting at? You know, the idea that take that, take that, you know, existing real life workload take a copy of it so it's no longer, you know, so you're, you're mimicking production and then throw some of these kind of workload generation tests at that is kind of, is that, is that kind of the optimal way of, of, of proving some of this stuff? Yes. Yeah. That would be the, the ideal way to do it. And again, like I said, you can, you can try to fake it out with benchmark tests and using the workload profiles uh, that you got from those applications. That's another way to do it. Uh, but again, just having your real workloads, it's ideal in my opinion. Well, so, so well, as, as we kind of wrap up here and, and come towards the end of our time, that um, the, so, you know, I think you give some great tips there around how to do those kind of main main parts of this, you know, develop that, that scope, understanding success criteria, build some test models that, that can start to, to meet some specific, specific goals. So, but if I'm listening to this and, and uh, you know, and I've got those things and I've made my notes about, yeah, they're good places to start with POCs. Is there any other good tips that you can provide? You know, any other things that, uh, that you've learned in, in your time and kind of working in this environment that will be the difference between a successful proof of concept and and you getting it wrong which either then means you don't find the right solution or maybe you end up perhaps even worse investing in the wrong solution um yeah um i mean especially from a customer side if you're the customer looking doing a poc looking for a solution uh own the poc right this is this is your baby don't let the vendors tell you what to do, what to test. They may give recommendations. You you know take that into account, but you know own it. This is uh, this is ultimately what you're going to go with uh, if if it meets all your criteria. So anything you can think of uh, outside just the solution itself. Like I said, look at the big picture. 
think about what's coming up, what's the trending technology, what's coming up in two years, three years, five years, what do you want to get at? You know, think about everything around that solution and try to include some of it in there, right? Uh, for example, maybe you didn't think about networking and that's going to be a big piece that may may break that solution in the future. Uh, so just don't, you know, take your blinders off um, and, you know, just think about the, the bigger picture. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. And I, I actually think from start to finish, that's a great tip with stuff like this, which is to understand the environment in its entirety, you know, not just to look at a kind of a siloed solution and think, oh, well, you know, you talked a couple of times about maybe doing, you know, doing POCs with storage, the idea that I'm just thinking about storage. Well, actually, we're not. We're thinking about how that storage interacts with other applications, how it may interact with the public cloud, how we have data mobility and portability, all those kind of things. So so I think that's a great tip, Dave. And um, well, I, I think, that, you know, that that's that's been really useful, you know, I say it, it kind of right at the start of this. I think one of the a challenge I often see is that people are looking at how they evaluate solutions, think they're having a POC when in reality they're having a demo. Or interestingly, the thing you've just kind of wrapped up a little bit with there, sometimes being led by the vendor with a vendor generating a POC or a demo that that shows their solution in a really good light and perhaps even knowing that other solutions may not be able to do this one thing that they do really well so so i think that tip about owning the poc understanding what you're trying to get from it and use that as a criteria rather than being being led i think are, are fantastic tips so i mean if people have listened to this and they want to find more information about maybe how to do a good poc or perhaps they want to i don't know whether they can maybe hunt you down online you know is there is some good follow-up places people can look or, or maybe a way to follow up with you uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, at Great White Tech, like the shark, right? Great White. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not a shark though, uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can you can ping me on Twitter. Uh, I'm happy to help. Like I said, I do this I do this for a living, so I'm seeing I've seen a lot of uh, good POCs, bad POCs, and uh, you know, definitely hit me up. Right. Well, Dave, look, I, I think if we can help people do better POC so they can make better, more informed decisions, I think we've uh, I think we've spent a good 30 minutes here. So, um, Dave, look, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show. And I'll, I'll make sure we also get links into the uh, Virtually Speaking podcast episode you did as well, because I think, you, you know, you had some some other things and maybe some specific things around VMware there that uh, VMware customers will, will find additionally useful. So, um, but Dave, hey, thanks for being on Tech Interviews and uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right. Looking forward to it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you enjoy the show, why not leave us a review and subscribe? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. And if you've got an idea for Tech Interviews or would like to appear on the show as a guest, then why not drop me an email at podcast at techstringy.com. So, until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>